I'm Miss Tyler, and welcome to another episode of Context for Kids, where I teach you guys stuff most adults don't even know. This is your first time hearing, or if you've missed anything, you can find all the episodes archived at contextforkids.podbean.com, which has them downloadable, or at contextforkids.com, where I have transcripts for readers, or on my Context for Kids YouTube channel. We've spent a lot of weeks talking about Genesis chapter 4. Mostly about Cain, but also about a man named Lamech. The theme of this chapter might be how not to handle your anger. Cain's like the poster boy for doing everything wrong despite having every opportunity in the world to do things right. He even had God reaching out to him and talking to him and telling him what to do and what not to do. Despite God's guidance and mercy, Cain just kept moving farther and farther away from doing the right thing, and everyone suffered terribly because of it. All because Cain wanted God to accept whatever he did and got angry when God refused. And we've all done that. Made the wrong choices and then got mad when somebody points it out and tells us to do better. And maybe we didn't get angry enough to kill someone. Sure, hope not. But maybe we really hurt other people who didn't deserve it. Fortunately, the mercy that was there for Cain is also there for us, but we need to respond to God's mercy in the right way, not like Cain, who took that mercy and ran away from God. Have you ever wondered what would have happened if Cain had listened to God instead of ignoring him and then going out and killing his brother? The world would be a much different place. Sure, someone would have murdered someone else at some point, but Abel would have lived and had children of his own, and he and Cain would have been happy together as brothers. Adam and Eve wouldn't have had the heartache that they lived with for the rest of their lives. God may not talk to you out loud like he did with Cain, but he still tells you what is right and wrong. Usually when we do something wrong, we know it's wrong, but we make the decision not to care. That's a huge mistake. That's how small sins become huge transgressions. Remember how in the Bible there are three words for what we call sin? In the English, that's sin, iniquity, and transgression. They're like the small, medium, and large categories of sins. Mistakes that are, are mistakes are different than things that we do on purpose but feel bad about. And those aren't nearly as serious as the things we do on purpose and don't feel at all bad about. None of them are good, but we can all see that they aren't equal in God's eyes, either because of how he labels them in the Bible. So, how do we keep our small mistakes from becoming huge transgressions? The answer is prayer. And prayer is talking to God and listening to his still, small voice. I've told you how important it is to talk to God about absolutely everything, no matter what it is. I mean, he knows everything anyway, so it's not like you can fool him or hide anything from him. Like Cain tried to do after he killed his brother. That's our starting place. God is always waiting and wanting to hear from us. He wants us to love him so much that we never ignore him. But talking to him isn't enough. We also have to listen for his voice to speak back to us, and when we hear it, we need to obey him. 
That's the hard part because usually he only speaks to us when he needs to tell us something that we probably don't want to hear. Like when he told Cain that his offering was not a good one. No one really likes to be told that they're wrong or what they've done is bad. We want to think that we're right and that whatever we do, it's good. But that's not reasonable. No one is right all the time. Not even super smart people or super nice people. I mean, being smart doesn't make people right about everything. They think or do, and being nice doesn't mean you always do the right thing either. In the same way, just because someone's a great athlete doesn't mean they're going to win every race or game they play. Everyone makes mistakes. Everyone believes wrong things. Everyone tries to do things that end up being a really bad idea. None of us is perfect. And so one of the most important things we can learn in growing up is how to accept that we can be wrong and still be wonderful, worthwhile people. Being wrong or making a mistake or losing a game or failing a test doesn't mean that we're terrible people or that we're unlovable. We may be disappointed in ourselves, but we just get back up and try again. Even when we sin on purpose and feel badly about it later, it doesn't mean that God is done with us. We just get back up and learn from our mistakes. What we should never make the mistake of doing is to get so angry about our mistakes that we blame everyone around us or get angry at everyone or become resentful of the people who did things the right way. Can I tell you a secret? There are a lot of people who are afraid of being wrong, of losing, and of failure. Maybe there's always somebody waiting to be mean to them over every little mistake. And they've learned to be worried all the time about what that person is going to say or do next. People like that grow up into adults who don't know how to deal with admitting their mistakes. They get angry and blow up a lot. Sometimes they can't be nice to other people who make mistakes and they treat others the way they were treated. Sometimes they don't even know how to do anything except notice when other people are wrong. They don't know how to say, good job, when somebody does something right, or say, good game, when they lose. Sometimes they don't know how to admit when they're wrong about something and they attack the people who were right. Sometimes they might even hate the people who were right. Sometimes they will even lie about the truth just so they can try to fool other people into thinking they were right all along. I hope that you don't know anybody like that. But if you do, I want you to talk to God about it and pray for them. Most of all, I don't want you to allow them to make you feel bad about yourself. Always be honest when you are wrong. Don't blame other people when you fail. And don't let being wrong or failing stop you from trying again and doing better next time. But I'm going to tell you something else about being wrong and losing. It bothers almost everyone. So if those things make you angry... Don't feel like you're alone. The thing is that as you grow up and become more mature and as God changes your heart, it will bother you less and less. Why? 
because you'll find out that God isn't interested in your opinions always being right or if you win or not. God's more interested in you doing what is right when you know the right thing to do. Sometimes doing what is right means we're going to lose. Look at King David. He actually had a couple of chances to kill his enemy, King Saul, but he would have had to do it through some pretty dirty tricks, so he decided not to do it. And King Saul was trying to hunt David down to kill him. Not because David did anything wrong, but because King Saul was jealous. Later on, David himself did do some terrible things when he was king, and God had to confront him about it and punish him. But David accepted his punishment, unlike Cain. Today, I want to tell you a fictional story, a pretend story, about what might have happened if Cain had prayed instead of sulking. Maybe it can give you ideas about how to talk to God when you're angry and hurting. Maybe it will let you know that it is totally safe to admit to God when you're angry with him. Not like he doesn't know, right? Now, I'm going to make some assumptions about the offerings they made, even though the Bible doesn't tell us why Cain's offering wasn't good. So just know that this is fictional, made up, and not what necessarily happened. And it's okay to do that as long as we know that's what's going on, that it's made up. So here we go. God smelled the fat roasting on the family altar, and he was very pleased. He saw that Abel had taken the firstborn lamb of his best ewe and had offered it up. God was very impressed with Abel's faith because that lamb was very valuable. From that lamb... Abel could have greatly enlarged his flock, but instead he gave it as a gift to God. God responded by blessing the ewe, and next year she would have twins, and she would never fail to have healthy babies. He looked over to Cain and saw that he'd made some unleavened bread from some of the new grain from the harvest, as he did every year. But this year there was a problem, and God frowned. God knew that was not the best of Cain's wheat harvest. Cain had taken wheat that he didn't really want to eat and had mixed it with some of the old barley and was offering up that. And he hadn't spent as much time as he should have grinding it, so the bread he made was very coarse. Cain wouldn't even want to eat that himself. God could tell that Cain's heart really wasn't in the offering. God filled Abel's heart with joy, but Cain felt God's disapproval. When Cain looked over at his brother and saw the peace and joy in his face, he got very angry and threw the bread away and stomped off. But after a while, God spoke to Cain. Why are you furious? And why do you look so despondent? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain replied, I am just so angry. Sometimes I want to do things my own way, and I don't know why you're so fussy and why my way isn't good enough for you. What use do you have for the best of the wheat anyway? I worked so hard just to make enough for the family to eat, and then you want me to give the best part of you to you, of the barley, of the wheat, and of everything. I know you don't eat it, but we do, and we need it. It's so unfair. 
God spoke to Cain very gently. You do work very hard to feed your family, and that makes me very proud and happy. I'm never unhappy with how hard you work. But like your parents before you, there are things that you don't understand about the way the world needs to work. They didn't understand why it was important not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The serpent tricked them into thinking that I was trying to keep something good away from them, something that they needed, and they believed it. They decided that they knew better than me what was best for them. But your father can tell you, and has told you, that as soon as he took a bite, he regretted it. He knew things that he didn't know how to deal with. But once he knew, it was too late. Once you know something or see something or hear something, you can never really not know, not see, or not hear it again. It's in there forever, and it changes you. As for you, you live in a world that I created, and I either bless it or curse it. For your good. I do it to teach you to trust me, so that you will learn to depend on me and only on me, because, Cain, you need me. You need me more than you need your father or mother or brother and more than your wife and children will need you. They can't bless the land or save you from what the serpent did, but I can and I will. Maybe not when you want or how you want, but I will. Cain, have you ever noticed how much easier it is for you to grow your crops than it is for your father? That's because I've always blessed your work. You get more barley and wheat and fruit and nuts because you've always done what is right in the past. And you gave me the very first of your harvest, the best of it. So can you tell me what has changed this year and why you stopped honoring me by giving me the best? Cain was looking down at the ground and kicked a rock, stubbing his sandaled toe. It was harder this year than normal. Seemed like everything was such a chore. I felt like you weren't helping me as much as you should. And right away, Cain saw the problem and he stopped. God replied, almost chuckling, Yeah, once you say it out loud, it doesn't seem to make as much sense, does it? I'm glad you're seeing the problem. A blessing's not a blessing at all if you think you deserve it. If you believe that I owe it to you to, for your life to be easy, Cain, don't you see? I saw that attitude growing in your heart all last season. You forgot who you are and forgot who I am. You thought that I owed you my blessing as though we're co-workers. And you stopped appreciating what I, your creator, was doing for you. I don't have to bless you. I always enjoyed blessing you because I love you so much. But I love you too much to let you keep believing what you were believing. So yes, things were harder. There wasn't as much water as usual. So your harvest was kind of pathetic. And I didn't keep the bug population low and they ate some of your crop. I gave you only enough to survive on. Because I don't want you to die. But I wanted you to see if you would still give me your best. And Cain, if you'd given me your best today, I could have multiplied the grain you had stored away if I wanted, and you would have eaten much more than enough. Cain, I have always taken care of you, 
but I don't owe it to you to make your life easy for you. What I want is for you to trust me, and when you don't, I have to do whatever it takes to fix things, because Cain, my beloved child, you need me and you need to trust me. Cain sighed and nodded. I'm sorry, Lord. You're right. I was so angry and I felt so betrayed. Not because there wasn't enough, but because there was only just enough and I just felt entitled to have more. I have the best tucked away and I'll go back and grind it and give it to you. I'll do what I know is right. Thanks for always taking care of us. As Cain was heading back to the granary, he ran into his brother Abel and told him the whole story. Abel laughed hard and loud. Oh, brother, Abel roared. Let me tell you a story that I have never confided in anyone. Years ago, we had that year where there weren't very many lambs, and the only lambs were born to our brand new ewes, so I knew I was supposed to give all those firstborn lambs to God. But I didn't want to. So I hid two of them and only offered the third up to God. He, he did the exact same thing to me that he did to you. It was a test and I had failed. Miserably. And I was angry too. Angry that I got caught. Wasn't it hilarious that I thought I could hide those lambs? That I was fooling all of you into thinking I'd offered them all, but had them in another valley grazing? You all thought I was so righteous, but really it was all one big lie. Well, God didn't accept my offering any more than he accepted yours, and I actually held out for a few days before breaking down and doing what needed to be done. And do you remember what happened the very next year? Ten new lambs! I'll tell you that I never really enjoy giving up those firstborn lambs. But I do it because I know in my heart of hearts that in the end, God will take care of us. Cain laughed too. It felt really good to know that he wasn't the only faithless person on earth sometimes. That his brother, whom he was so angry at this morning, was just like him and had made the same exact mistake of not trusting God and he even tried to fool him. Abel wasn't the problem and God wasn't the problem. Cain knew now that his lack of trust was the problem and that it was actually normal and that God didn't hate him for it and that God hadn't given up on him or lightning bolted his butt on the spot. Wow, Cain thought to himself. I really had God pegged all wrong. I'd always wondered why he kicked our parents out of the garden, but now I see how fair he is. I see how he wants us to be honest and trusting even when times are tough. And when I was honest with him, he didn't yell at me or kill me for it. He knew exactly what was going on in my mind all along. He knew what I was trying so hard to hide from him. And he reached out to me and loved me. And he gave me a chance to fix everything and start all over again. Cain remembered the story that his parents had told about living in the garden and how, when God had confronted them, they lied and blamed everyone but themselves. Dad blamed mom. Mom blamed the serpent. God had to kick them out of the garden because no one would own what they had done wrong. What if I'd made the same mistake? Cain wondered. What would have happened? 
if I'd just gotten angrier and angry and refused to take responsibility for what I'd done. I was really angry at God. What if I just stubbornly kept doing things my own way? And I was getting angrier and angrier at Abel, thinking he was just so perfect. I was so angry that I actually thought about hitting him with a rock. Oh, man, that is scary to think about. God was right. I was so angry, and that anger might have led me to do some terrible things that would have been wrong. Well, this year's harvest wasn't great, but I'll get up tomorrow and go back to work again, as usual, and ask God to bless my work instead of figuring he owes me a blessing. I can't believe how wrong-headed I was all this time. So, how different was that story from what happened in the Bible? And do you know the really great thing? We have a choice whether we're going to live out the story of Cain in the Bible or the story of Cain that I made up for you today. We can choose to sulk, get angry, hurt people, and run away from our problems. Or we can choose to talk to God, face up to what we've done and why, and not take it out on everyone around us. And we all go through things like this. All of us. No matter how perfect someone seems to be, absolutely everyone goes through times when they just don't trust God, where they get angry at him and angry at other people because of resentment and jealousy. That anger and that distrust happens, and we can't stop it from happening but we can choose how we deal with it when it does happen. Have you ever read the Psalms? The Psalms are like the most honest poetry ever written. Sometimes the people who wrote the Psalms are just super happy and trusting God, and sometimes they're angry and accusing God of betraying them. Sometimes things are going their way, and sometimes everything is going horribly wrong. Sometimes they're loving and sometimes they're asking God to kill their enemies and even asking God to bless whoever kills their enemies' babies, which is super messed up. But that's the kind of thing that goes through our heads sometimes. Well, maybe not the part about killing people's babies. I can't imagine wanting that to happen, and I bet you can't imagine that either. But the point is that we all have these emotions inside us, and sometimes the things we think are beautiful, and sometimes the things we think are very ugly, and we would never want anyone to know about it. But the Psalms tell us that everyone has these kinds of things running through their heads sometimes. The Psalms tell us that we don't have to pretend to always have perfect thoughts, and we can be honest with those thoughts to God. I mean... If we see them in the Bible, it means that God knows we have these sort of thoughts sometimes. You know, we all get angry. We all want revenge. We all want to think about things that we would never really want to do or have happen. Because the Psalms were written to God, they teach us that God is the one we are supposed to go to when we think all these ugly thoughts. He can handle it. He knows what we're thinking, and so the best we can do is stop trying to hide it from him. If we go to him with this, he can help us with it. That's what he wanted to do for Cain, to help him deal with his anger and sinful thoughts. <sighs> and so you know what? No matter what it is you are thinking or have done, you can take it to God. You can talk to him about it. And after you're done talking, just listen. 
Sometimes he'll respond, and sometimes he just starts helping you fix it in quiet ways by changing your mind. Sometimes he'll send someone to you from out of the blue who will tell you something that is related to what you talk to God about. You know, so many times I will wake up in the morning and God will tell me to write something and I won't know why. But then I'll get a letter or an email or a message telling me that it was just what they were praying to God about. And the funny thing is that sometimes he'll tell me to write it even before they pray. But he knows that they're going to pray and what they will be praying about. And God will find ways to help you too, because he loves you. But you know what? If you don't pray, then he's not going to hear you pray. So I want you to start praying. Anyway, I love you. I'm praying for you. And I hope you have a wonderful week studying the Bible with the people who love you.